Yo, what is going on, guys? It is Mason Pierce, your host of the Cover 7 with Mason Pierce podcast. And wow, do we have some crazy NFL divisional championship games going on this weekend. Um, we have a lot of NFL news to talk about. We've got a little bit of college football, not too much, so expect this to be an NFL-based episode coming from the Cover 7 with Mason Pierce podcast. So let's get right into it regarding some college football transfer news. Former Georgia wide receiver Jermaine Burton, he has committed to the Alabama Crimson Tide, and he will be joining Nick Saban in that already stacked Alabama offense. But as y'all know, Jamison Williams, former all-American wide receiver he will be declaring for the NFL draft so that opens a spot for Jermaine to make an immediate impact on this pretty thin wide receiver room for the Alabama Crimson Tide so great pickup for Nick Saban and his staff Um, and some more SEC news regarding Kirby Smith and Nick Saban both of those coaches went to watch Arch Manning play basketball and I just want to let y'all know first and foremost it looks like his decision at the end regarding his top two schools will probably be between Georgia and Alabama. I would bet my money on that. I'd kind of bet on Georgia to be the favorite really here because Georgia would be the best spot for him to start week one of his freshman, true freshman year to be really, because I don't think he'll register unless he does go to Alabama and he sits a year behind uh, whoever the next starting quarterback is for Bama. Because, I mean, we all know Bryce Young will probably declare for the draft next year. So... Who knows, it really will come down to those two schools and and also some more Arch Manning news. Remember, this is just a report, so take it with a grain of salt. Obviously, this may not be his actual top five when he does announce it personally, as he still does have a year left of high school. But apparently, his top five is down to Texas, Ole Miss, Georgia, Clemson, and Alabama. Now, the three that are not really surprising is Ole Miss, Georgia, and Alabama. Obviously, we knew Georgia and Alabama were really going to be going in on, you know, the the Manning nephew that everyone wants incredibly bad. But the ones that are shocking me is Texas, who just got Quinn Ewers, who will probably be there for at least two to three years. Now, he probably will only be there two because he'll probably declare since he did sit a year at Ohio State. Um, Clemson, once again, doesn't really make too much sense. They already have DJ. They're about to get Cade Klubnik, the, the, um, the quarterback from Westlake, Texas, so... I would expect Texas and Clemson to be the first two eliminated. I would say Ole Miss will probably be one of the last schools to be eliminated simply because I think they will get a a transfer portal quarterback here soon. Probably JT Daniels and and Jackson Dart. It's going to be between those two, so watch out for that coming up in these next couple weeks. Um, Like I said, personally, my favorite fit for him would be Georgia. I think Kirby Smart is a great quarterback coach, and I know a lot of people are going to be like, what? There's no way you just said Kirby Smart. Yes, I do believe Kirby Smart is a great quarterback coach because look at what he did with Stetson Bennett. I mean, he was a walk-on to begin his career. He really should never have even been in the power five. He was definitely a group of five type quarterback, but Kirby, Kirby, you know, promised him, hey, you will eventually get your time here, even after Jacob Eason, Justin Fields, um, Jake Fromm, and all those quarterbacks, even JT Daniels. I mean, he beat out JT freaking Daniels, the modern-day legend quarterback. So I think, I think honestly, Arch going to Georgia would be a great, great thing for his future. Um, that kind of wraps up pretty much all the college news for this episode, guys. I mean, college transfer portal news and just college news in general is kind of kind of was more of last episode because I mean there was so much that went on and if y'all haven't checked it out make sure you go check it out on the official Spotify and Anchor pages it'll just be cover 7 with Mason Pierce 
Um, now let's get on to some NFL news before we do get into the recaps of all the divisional playoff games. So some pretty sad news. Steelers defensive coordinator Keith Butler, he has retired from the game of football. Um, he worked wonders with the Steelers defense. I know they had moments this season where they weren't really, you know, the old the Steelers of old. The defense wasn't really consistent, but he did make a lot of stars with T.J. Watt, Minka Fitzpatrick, um, Ryan Chazier, unfortunately, before he did have that really bad injury um, when they first signed Joe Hayden. So he had a lot of good times when he was the defensive coordinator of the Pittsburgh Steelers. So congratulations on a great career, Keith Butler. And hopefully you do have some role still with the Steelers, even though it won't be as their D.C. And another D.C. that happens to be in the same conference, the AFC South, Ravens defensive coordinator Don Martindale and the Ravens both have mutually agreed to part ways after a pretty bad defensive year for the Ravens. But I wouldn't really put a lot of blame on on, on – uh, Dawn because you watch this year you see how many injuries I mean I mean look they literally were missing Marlon Humphrey for most of the year Marcus Peters was out for the year Patrick Queen had a couple banged up moments um I, I can't even remember all the guys on that defense that were injured because there was so freaking many I mean it was bad I mean they were down to literally their practice squad players playing cornerback one sometimes even defensive but their outside edge rushers, they were pretty consistent with Justin Houston. I hope they do re-sign him to another year because he did play pretty good, even though he is at a pretty high age. He's in his mid-30s. But overall, I think it was time. I think Baltimore probably wants to move younger with the coaching staff, as you'll see with a lot of coaching staffs in the NFL. They're going to really target those Sean, those future Sean McVays and Kyle Shanahan's because they want more long-term jeopardy. Kind of like what the Steelers did with Mike Tomlin years and years and years ago. But... So this was kind of expected. You know, it really wasn't doing that great. I mean, even after that 2019 collapse where they went 14-2 in the regular season and then the defense absolutely crumbled under uh, Derrick Henry and the Tennessee Titans. But, yeah, so hopefully the Ravens do come back next year fully healthy and won't get another injury bug and COVID bug. So now the part y'all have all been waiting for, my opinions and some of the analysis regarding the divisional round playoff games and recaps. So let's get into the first game that was on Saturday at 3.30. It was the Titans versus Bengals. Um, Bengals were dominant this whole game. Titans really should have never even been in this game at all. Um, Ryan Tannehill, Titans need to release him. He needs to find somewhere else. He is not their franchise quarterback like they thought he was in 2019 after they had that historic playoff run. Um, he had a lot of horrible decisions with his throws. He threw to a lot of double-covered receivers. He put his receivers in a lot of opportunities where if they even touched the ball or tipped the ball, it was guaranteed to be a pick. So don't don't think those picks were on his receivers necessarily because those were some horrible positions to put your receivers in. He had a lot of throws that were behind his, his receivers that ended up getting it picked. I think personally having A.J. Brown and Julio Jones, he should have went lights out this game, but he showed his true weakness, and that was not – staying in the pocket enough or staying too long in the pocket and if you watched the game you saw how uncomfortable he looked he started to panic and then he would throw those ridiculously long passes that would end up either being a pick or he would somehow magically he would end up not getting it picked and one of the biggest factors and why the titans really did not do anything on offense was derrick henry i mean you could tell that he didn't look 100 percent. i mean he had a lot of moments where he looked scared to dive into the a gaps or b gaps and when he would have those two linebackers and Logan Wilson and Jermaine Pratt, they would be right there to pretty much just stop him immediately. So the line didn't give him any favors. The line did play pretty poorly for the Titans. 
Uh, I don't think Derrick Henry was 100%. I think they did rush him back in order to get those prices up for tickets. And I mean, this arguably was probably one of the worst number one seeds in NFL history to to be in the playoffs. So uh, t- Cincinnati. All around, they played amazing. Joe Burrow and T. Higgins, they were absolutely phenomenal. As T. Higgins, he went for seven receptions, 96 yards, and on on nine targets too. So he was pretty consistent. Jamar Chase, once again, this kid is going to end up being another Chad Ochocinco level wide receiver. Jamar Chase, he went for five receptions on 109 yards, and his longest was 57. And he also did recover a fumble that T. Higgins had. So... These two, T. Higgins and Jamar Chase, expect them to be a one-two combo coming up these next couple years with Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow was absolutely insane this game. He went for 28-37 and 37 on 348 yards, and he had one pick. Now, he did not throw a touchdown, and the one pick wasn't even really his fault. It's kind of a controversial one where the, the ball did touch the ground, but the announcers and even some of the, the, the game officials, they said that, he had full possession before the ball did touch the ground, which it was kind of a toss-up. There wasn't enough evidence since the call on the field was it said that it was an interception. So it went Tennessee's way, but even then Tennessee couldn't capitalize like they did all day. So once again, Cincinnati, I'm so happy for them. This is the first time since 1988 they will be reaching the AFC Championship game. And, I mean, wow. Their defense played amazing. Logan Wilson, he played absolutely phenomenal. He had eight total tackles, one tackle for loss, and I think he had a pick. Yes, he did have a pick. He had one pick. Um, Mike Hilton, he had a pick. Jesse Bates had a pick. I'm telling you, I said this before, the Cincinnati Bengals secondary is something you do not want to mess with. And also, I want to shout out the Tennessee defensive line. They played absolutely phenomenal. Jeffrey Simmons, he had three sacks on the day with eight tackles. And three tackles for loss, obviously coming from the sacks. So, don't blame the whole Tennessee Titans defense. They did pretty, they did play pretty fantastic. That front seven was Zach Cunningham, Jeffrey Simmons, David Long, uh, Harold Landry. They all played good. So, unfortunately, Bengals just wanted it more, and the Bengals are moving on to the AFC Championship. I'm so happy that I'm able to say that after all these years, but. Now getting on to the final game, final. Ooh, sorry guys. The final game from Saturday's slate. We have the 40, 49ers versus the Packers, and this was definitely an interesting one to say the least. The game already did not start out great, considering it was zero degrees on the field, and it was already starting to kind of snow. So obviously that impacted a lot of the probably Green Bay's game plan. And here's the funny thing: San Francisco already planned to run the ball consistently, and you know have Debo Samuel constantly get out from the shotgun, move him out into the slot. So their game plan stayed the same. Jimmy Garoppolo he did play pretty good considering the conditions. He went 11 19 on 131 yards and one pick. Um, Debo Samuel. Rushing-wise, he had 10 rushes on 39 yards, so it wasn't horrible. I mean, they did pretty good. George Kittle, he did have good couple in the middle field, in, in the middle of the field receptions that did lead them to that game-winning field goal by Robbie Gold. And overall, the San Francisco, their special teams won them this game, especially with that block punt late in the fourth quarter that ended up getting them that touchdown they desperately needed. Because at one point, I thought Green Bay was just going to run away with this game. But special teams choked for him. The defense played fantastic. The defense was amazing. Kenny Clark, uh, Rashawn Gary, who he is going to eventually be a future star in the league. The guy, the kid coming out of Michigan. Um, 
Zadarius Smith was kind of he 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 was more of a presence player in this game. Preston Smith he had nine total tackles. Not really, you know, people didn't really talk about him too too much, but he had a pretty good game. And unfortunately for the Green Bay Packers, I mean, their offense was pretty much non-existent besides Devontae Adams, who had nine receptions on 90 yards with no touchdowns, and that's the key thing you'll see in a lot of these. Aaron Jones, kind of the same case as Devontae Adams. He had nine receptions on 129 yards, but he also didn't have a touchdown either. So, I mean, and besides that, there was only two other receptions by Green Bay receivers and Alan Lazard and Mercedes Lewis, who only had one reception each, and Alan Lazard was the only one that actually had positive yards gained in, by, in six yards. So, uh, Green Bay's offensive philosophy once again finally got figured out by San Fran and that's just guard Devontae Adams and guard uh, Alan Lazard and they have no offense besides Aaron Jones and even then you get Aaron Jones on the outside when he does those wheel routes you've won and San San Francisco proved they wanted that more even at the end when it started snowing and snowing and snowing they still managed to make that clutch time uh field goal and regarding Aaron Rodgers and his future with Green Bay it's looking pretty much up in the air he already said he doesn't want to be a part of the team if they're going to be rebuilding and he's going to say he's just going to take it day to day and kind of figure out what he wants so don't be shocked if you also do see him retire I would bet my my favorite for the odds right now would probably be retirement because I just think he's he'd probably want to pursue something else in Jeopardy or some talk show or continue to make his State Farm commercials so (laughs) I guess we'll figure it out eventually um, Devontae, unless he gets franchise tagged, but I don't think the uh, Packers can afford to franchise tag him as they'll be $44 million over the salary cap. So I think Devontae will be out of his way. Watch for teams like maybe Minnesota pick him up, considering Adam Thielen's kind of been injured and eh. Maybe they'll have him in a trade package almost so they get value out of Devontae, kind of like a sign and trade. So it'll be interesting to see how the Packers, their offseason goes. Um, the 49ers, however, they will be taking on the Los Angeles Rams in the NFC Championship game. That will be at SoFi Stadium at 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Fox. This will be an absolutely fantastic game. Both teams are kind of wanting redemption against each other. 49ers want to prove that they do deserve to be in this position. Rams are wanting to prove that they're not dumb for trading away their whole future draft picks. So this will be an interesting game to see. Now let's get on to the first game of Sunday slate of playoff games, and, it's, and it was between the Rams and Buccaneers. Uh, this game was very one-sided going into the, going into the second half. Uh, Matthew Stafford, Odell, Cooper Cup, Cam Akers, all of them were absolutely tearing up that, that Buccaneers secondary. Uh, the front seven wasn't as good as they normally should have been. Now I won't say they played bad, but there was a couple moments where they just – they were playing a lousy O-line. But you couldn't have told, you couldn't have been able to tell by the way that they had no pressure on Matthew Stafford. They give him way too much time in the pocket. And yeah, now Matthew Stafford did have a couple times where he stayed too, too much in the pocket and he relied way too much on his O line, considering that they had Andrew Whitworth. He was out. So they had Joseph Noteboom, the former TCU kid, as their starting left tackle in replace of him. So it kind of made it a lot more difficult on the O line to constantly get to block against guys like Jason Pierre-Paul, Shaquille Barrett, uh, Ndamukong Sue, 
and there's also a couple moments in the game, and you'll and if any of y'all watched it, you'll remember the three personal foul penalties, the unsportsmanlike penalties, and Dominican Sue when he felt like he got kicked by Matthew Stafford after he sacked him. That was totally unnecessary. I don't think he should have talked or pointed, put his finger in Matthew Stafford's face. I don't think he purposely tried to kick him. I think he was trying to more of a say like, "Hey, get off of me!" You know, I'm, I'm trying to get back up to the line and get ready. And then Tom Brady. Tom Brady did have a case, I will not lie. He did have a case. He did get popped in the side of the mouth. Now, do I think he should have done the temper tantrum he did? Absolutely not. His team could not afford another 15-yard penalty. That set them back even more. Um, and then Levante David, his temper tantrum when he was walking off the field and just chunked his helmet. I don't blame him partially because that the, the two safeties they were supposed to be there to pick up Cooper Cup when he got across the middle of the field or no he stayed on the sideline he was on the sideline I apologize guys when he was running down the sideline and they didn't they got confused because of Matthew Stafford's eyes were looking at the middle of the field and then randomly he looks looks to his right and sees Cooper Cup wide open for the touchdown so I don't blame him for being mad but you, your team cannot afford these personal foul penalties when you were down 24 points 21 points so bucks honestly shot themselves in the foot this game the offense did pick it up late in the game tom brady connected with mike evans so many times especially that crucial touchdown near the end of the game where they thought oh my gosh tom brady's gonna come back and do another super bowl 53 instance it was super bowl 50 no super bowl 51 instance where they come come back against the falcons and once again <laughs> the tampa bay you know the Bucks, their secondary absolutely collapses under their feet. Cooper Cup has that long 45-yard reception that sets them up in field goal range. And then Matt Gay kicks the game-winning field goal. So, once again, uh, I have no clue what will be going, what happening with this Tampa Bay team going into next offseason. Uh, I don't think, because there was a report that went out before the game that Tom Brady was kind of questioning whether he would stay in the NFL or he would retire. I, think he'll, I, think, I don't think he'll retire. I think he wants to leave on a Super Bowl. Uh... Specifically, I think his wife will probably want him to as well, considering he'll be getting paid $22 million next year. Um, Chris Godwin will definitely be gone. Ronald Jones will definitely be gone. I'd expect to see O.J. Howard probably request a trade, possibly since you know Cameron Brait will still be on the team. The O-line will stay the same. The defense probably need to release Ndamukong Sue, get, clear up some cap space, considering they got everyone back. But overall, Tampa, they have a bright future, especially in Kyle Trask, who is currently right now kind of having a Jimmy Garoppolo role where he's just he's learning behind Tom Brady as he's playing. Um, for the Rams, the Rams, they play the 49ers at SoFi Stadium next Sunday. Uh, I expect if, if the Rams honestly do not beat these 49ers, I'm going to be completely upset at the fact they went out. They got Vaughn Miller signed, Odell Beckham, traded all those picks for Matthew Stafford, and they – barely can beat a team that is severely injured and severely under talented as they are so but the Rams had an amazing game Odell played great Cooper played amazing Matthew played amazing proving why he was worth those two first round picks and they're moving on now let's get on to the final game of of the NFL divisional championship series which is between the Kansas City Chiefs and the Buffalo Bills now this game was a great overtime thriller Start out the game, Tyron Matthew got hit in the head by, um, I think it was his lineman's knee. So that knocked him out for the game. He's currently in concussion protocol. We'll see how long that, you know, how long he'll be out for and see if he'll play next week against the Bengals. Um, overall, Kansas City and the offense, they clicked. They continued to dominate the middle of the field. Travis Kelsey, uh, Tyree Kill had a couple great 
great catches, especially the one that pretty much sealed the game right before overtime. So Patrick Mahomes and them, they've got momentum. They want revenge. They want to be able to say, hey, we lost one time. That does not mean we will not come back and win another Super Bowl. Now for the Bills, they have no reason to hang their heads on offense. Josh, Josh Allen was incredible. He threw for 329 yards, and he was 27 for 37 with four touchdowns. I mean, he was and, – and also, he was great running the ball. He had a couple clutch runs that gave him a first down to keep possessions alive. So not kind of like what Dak Prescott did and would be scared to run the ball and kind of choked it for the Cowboys. Instead, he manned up, took the hits. And the fact that he's 6'5 and he's able to run that way amazes me. This will not be the last time we will see these Buffalo Bills in the playoffs. Uh, Cole Beasley was amazing. Now, the biggest shout-out I want to give for tonight's game goes to Gabriel Davis, the former UCF standout. He went eight. He had eight receptions for 201 yards, and and he got and he caught four touchdowns. Now, I was on the phone with my grandma watching this game, and we were both yelling up and down, hooting, because I'm so happy for this kid. I mean, he was a fourth-round pick out of 2020 draft class, and a lot of people probably thought, oh, it's just another one of those one- to two-year rentals, and then he'll end up going bouncing from team to team to team in their practice squads. But Gabriel Davis seriously could be a number-two option for this team after Emmanuel Sanders, his contract, and his time is going to be up with the team. And another great, great player for the Bills' offense this game was Devin Singletary. He was amazing. I know the stats don't really show it as much or give him as much of credit as he really did play because earlier on in the game, he absolutely throttled that Chiefs defense. I know later on in the game, he wasn't that as big of an impact, but he still played great. But Buffalo, keep doing what y'all are doing. Correct some defensive issues. Uh, I know y'all are missing a couple corners. Y'all are missing y'all's best corner and Tredavious White, who tours ACL earlier in the year. So that obviously was a big loss, especially playing against guys like Travis Kelsey and, Ter and Tariq Hill. And, um, yeah, so Buffalo, y'all had an amazing season. Take this momentum, take this loss, and just fuel next year's playoff run. And hopefully we do see y'all back in the playoffs and maybe in a Super Bowl. Now for Kansas City and their offensive side, Patrick Mahomes, he went 33 for 44 with 378 yards and three touchdowns, an amazing stat line because he did play great. And he had a couple pretty cool sidearm passes and a couple cool just uh, back foot throws. So Patrick Mahomes continues to Patrick Mahomes. Uh, he also was this team's leading rusher. He had seven carries for 69 yards with one touchdown. Um, Running-wise, Kansas City didn't really – explode with it but when but th when they did run the football it mattered the most and it got them those crucial first downs to keep this buffalo team on their heels um kansas city also receiving blue and i mean blew up tyree kill had a career game 11 receptions with 150 yards on one touchdown his longest was that 64 yard reception that took the that drove the chiefs down the field to get that game tying field goal to send them into overtime travis kelsey also had himself a day he had eight receptions for 96 yards with one touchdown and jarek mckinnon the former 49er and for and former viking who never really played much for the 49ers thought he was going to just end up kind of fading away Andy Reid and, and Eric Bieniemy they brought him back to life. He had five receptions for 54 yards, and and uh, his longest was a 20 yards. So they did good. Um, I would expect Demarcus Robinson probably to be gone, and they'll let him walk in free agency because 
by Byron Pringle, the Kansas State receiver who has been amazing for this team all year. He may not be a statistical monster, but he is a great red zone player form. He caught a crucial touchdown that kept them in the game and gave them the lead. Uh, McCall Hardman, he didn't have as much impact in this game. He's only had one reception for 26 yards. But just having those four guys on the field at once will scare the living lights out of the team. So great win for Kansas City. They they stay at home next week against the Bengals. They take on Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd, Joe Mixon. So I would expect this Chiefs defense to have their hands full next Sunday playing against the Cincinnati Bengals. Now the Chiefs, their biggest warrior right now is making sure Tyron Matthew will be able to play against the Bengals because without him against that elite wide receiving core of the Bengals, that's going to be critical because you could even tell towards the end of this game that, that when Gabriel Davis had those two touchdown passes, it all happened where Tyron Matthew would have been. So cr very critical to make sure Tyron Matthew is okay. First and foremost, we all want him healthy, you know, this is just a game at the end of the day. We want his health to be good. But to wrap up, divisional weekend. So the final scores for each game. The first game we had was Bengals versus Titans. The Bengals ended up winning 19-16. to For that nighttime game on Saturday, we had the 49ers versus the Packers. The 49ers ended up winning 13-10 to against the Packers. Now for Sunday's games, we had the Rams versus the Buccaneers. The Rams ended up winning 30-27. to and lastly, the last game of the divisional weekend, we had the Bills against the Chiefs, and the Chiefs ultimately ended up winning that 42-36 to in overtime to take down the Bills. So for conference championship week, for the AFC championship game, it will be the Cincinnati Bengals taking on the Kansas City Chiefs at 2 p.m. Central Standard Time on CBS. And then for the last game of conference championship weekend, it will be the 49ers versus the Rams taking on each other in the NFC championship game, which will be 5.30 Central Standard Time on Fox. Now, I hope you enjoyed this episode. I know it was mostly NFL-based, but I promise you on Wednesday that episode will be mostly college football because I know by then there will be a lot more transfer portal news. And I'll make sure on Saturday I'll kind of get a pregame episode regarding the um, AFC and NFC championship games, kind of giving a preview about what to expect, injury reports, and so forth. But I hope you all guys are having an amazing day. Continue to be great. Peace out, guys.